take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. And this is our final Q&A episode for season three. Let's just dive in. Here's a question about the four phrases. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. If I can only solve problems from within myself with the four phrases, those phrases that are associated with Ho'oponopono. So if I can only solve problems from within myself with the four phrases, then what is the relationship between working on myself and taking action in the world? If this is true, I wouldn't ever have to do anything, would I? Well, yeah, in a way. (laughs) I mean, it's not that we're never going to do anything because we live in the world and we move in the world. And so just our very existence, by our very existence, we are doing something, right? But um, it's true that the more you relate to yourself, the more you understand that there's nothing happening out there. It's all happening in here. And that what appears in the mirror of reality is just a reflection of the energy that you are holding within yourself. You start to, instead of trying to run around and fix things out there and use push energy and um, manipulation, control, um, you know, all kinds of ways to try to influence and get energy, right? Like we were talking about, the more you let go of that way of operating and realize, okay, this is just a reflection. This is a reflection of something in me and therefore I'm going to work on it. The only place I can work on it, which is within myself, I am not resisting the way things are showing up, right? I'm letting go. (laughs) And these four phrases are an amazing way to let go. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. When you let it go, then you can take effective action, right? Not from your intellect, not from your conscious mind, but from a surrendered, allowing place if action is necessary. A second part of the question, if this is true, I wouldn't have to ever have to do anything, would I? You know, I recall a story that I heard from someone who was managing a big company. And she said that the more... Um, the more she repeated those phrases to herself and the, she would start dealing with issues that were coming up in the business, you know, that had nothing to do with her personally, like it was a relationship issue between people who were working together or, um, you know, a problem in the company or, you know, anything that would come up that normally she would have to take action, uh, you know, in another um, uh, way of thinking or another paradigm of reality, she would feel obligated to take action steps, you know, and talk to people and do things and all of that. She, she realized she was doing less and less of that. 
that as she repeated those four phrases and solved her problems from the, the problems from within herself because if she, if they if those problems appeared in her reality right as we said earlier uh then then they belong to you right otherwise you wouldn't be aware of them you can't experience anything outside of your own consciousness your own sphere of awareness so if something comes in as a problem into your sphere of awareness even if it has nothing personally uh, on the level of appearance to do with you, it is always a reflection. It's always a, re a reflection of something that is in you, whether you're aware of it or not. So therefore, it's your opportunity to work on. We talked about this last time with the hair in the lens, right? So if you're seeing something out there that's distorted, that distortion is actually within. It's that hair in the lens and you're seeing it in the reality. If something was going on in her company, let's say there was a conflict between two people who worked together and it was creating problems, instead of being like, well, I don't know, that's their problem. I don't know what to do about it. You know, try to talk to them and make them get along or something. No, she realized, okay, that's in me somewhere. That conflict is in me somewhere and it's being represented to me on, through the mirror of reality. So therefore, I will solve it in myself. I'm sorry for whatever is going on in me that is appearing as this problem in my workplace between these two other people. Please forgive me for any ways in the past in which I have contributed to this conflict or any other conflict. I don't understand what's appearing on the mirror of reality, but I understand that I must have some part in it somewhere in me that I'm not aware of. So please forgive me for any ways in which I have been at root or at, at cause in a way for this problem. And please forgive me for any ways in which I have not honored myself and my true nature and my divinity by creating conflict or being at the source of conflict. And then gratitude. Uh, thank you for, for presenting this problem to me so that I can let it go and allow the healing power of the universe to come down into me and to dissolve the walls at the inner walls of separation and the inner conflicts that are in my subconscious. I love you universe. I love myself. I love the, the people in my office who are in conflict in my workspace because they are uh, showing me how everything is connected and how I am one with the entire universe and I am the microcosm of this macrocosm, right? So if you, th <laughs> even I, as I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, riffing, you know, in this particular situation that I've only heard about, I'm being uplifted by my own understanding of, by my own letting go of the situation, right? So there's healing energy is coming into me because if I'm even talking about this, and this is where it gets crazy because you're like boxes, within boxes, within boxes, within boxes, universes, within universes, within universes. If I'm relating to you, and now you are listening, so it's part of you. If I'm relating to you this situation, even though it was something I heard about from another person that had nothing to do with me in quotes, because it came into my awareness, it also belongs to me. And therefore I can contribute to the healing, right? So I do that within myself. I don't have to mess with anything outside of myself, right? And then, you know, very often when you work with these four phrases, without your taking any action, situations just sort of rearrange themselves and problems sort of get solved on their own. Or if an action is appropriate, you will know what to do and you'll just do it. There won't be any conflict about it.
I hope that makes sense. Here's an interesting question about thinking. Sometimes you seem to imply that thinking is a problem, but how would we survive without thinking? Isn't it necessary for life? (laughs) This is a really good one. Um, Yeah, we believe that thinking is necessary for life because we've hardly ever had a moment in our life when we weren't thinking, right? So thinking belongs to the egoic mind. So of course it wants you to think that without thinking, you would not make it. You'd be sunk. But the truth is most of our thinking, like 97% of our thinking is destructive, repetitive, totally nonsensical, and doesn't really contribute anything to life. Think about it. (laughs) We can survive without thinking. There's an impulse to think, okay? If you really meditate on this, contemplate it within yourself, if you're sitting still somewhere, you'll start to be able to feel there's a place from which thought arises. It bubbles up from inside you. And and even deeper than that, there's an impulse toward thinking-ness. The mind loves to think. That's what it does. But you're not the mind. So if you notice that thinking-ness is a tendency, right? It's a compulsion. We could call it a compulsion. You can um, arrest the thinkingness before it becomes fully formed. It starts as kind of like a cloud, like a general kind of cloud. And then as it bubbles up to the surface, it takes form and the ego claims ownership. And so it becomes thoughts about my life and this and that and the other thing, right? But really, if you if you follow it down to its source, the source of thinkingness and the compulsion for thinking, you, you realize Um, You can arrest the thought before it becomes anything and you can just sort of let it go. Like, I don't need to think about that. Why do I need to think about something that's totally random and has nothing? It's just a memory from something or thinkingness is one of the, one of the ways that we stay identified with the limitations of the personal self and the ego. So the ego wants you to think that you've got to think about things in order to understand life and in order to survive, you better think about this. Now I need to think about it. I'm going to think about something. The kind of thinking that the intellect does is uh, kind of like uh, mental masturbation, if you'll pardon the expression, but I can't think of anything better in the moment. It's just uh, like going over and over things um, without ever really resolving anything. The solutions in life often come to us in a non-linear way, right? They come from our non-linear guidance system, the intuition. And if you're stuck in your head all the time and you can't stop thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, you don't have access to that intuitional space and you don't have access to the heart space where you directly know things. And there's no question, there's no need to think about anything. So again, these are two different paradigms of consciousness of awareness. So um, if you just consider the idea that you don't have to think and that you could just let go of your thoughts as they're coming up and, and not think, it's not your thoughts or your ego that are reminding you of the things that you need to do, right? If you've ever had that happen, like you sort of lose track of time, for example, and then suddenly you're like, 
you have an appointment. You just re- you remember suddenly that you have an appointment. It's not because you were thinking about it. It's because the nonlinear part of you, the higher self, if you will, takes care of you. And it's the one that's like, hey, wake up, you've got an appointment. <laughs> right? It just brings it to your awareness. You don't even know how. It's not your ego that's like, take your vitamins. It's, it's the part of you that is responsible, truly responsible for your continuance, not the ego. So you can start to feel into that contemplatively and realize that the true answers and the solutions always came as they came to the great geniuses like Einstein and, you know, people like that who would, they would think on a problem for a while, they would work it through and all of that, but their answers always came to them when they were doing something random that was not, you know, associated with trying to solve the problem, like in the shower or in nature somewhere, and then bloop, the answer just appeared. Here's another question. When you talk about, I really like this one, when you talk about standing in your truth, what does that mean exactly? Isn't it selfish to just say whatever you feel like saying? Wouldn't that hurt other people's feelings? Realistically speaking, I can't just do whatever I want. Yeah. Standing in your truth is not about running roughshod over other people with your opinions. Standing in your truth is an act of power and authenticity. It's you without any of your masks. It's you just being you and being honest and authentic and truthful. So when we are truly honest, truly authentic, and we have no agenda, that's what I mean by standing in your truth. It's not uh, an ego trip where you're like, yeah, well, you know, this is my truth. So you, you know, I'm going to shove it down your throat. <laughs> that's what happens on social media a lot of times. And people, you know, they call it standing in their truth, but it's not, it's not, it's nothing to do with the truth. It's just a, it's a positionality. It's an ego trip. And here's how to tell the difference between an ego trip and standing in your truth. When you're standing in your truth, you have nothing to prove, you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to defend, you have no agenda. Truth just is. It just is. You're not shoving it down anybody's throat. You don't care if anybody agrees with you or believes you. <laughs> it just is. And you are okay with however anybody reacts to it. You understand that's their reaction. They are allowed to have their reaction. It does not affect the truth. So if you are in a position, a positionality, if you're coming from your ego, um, then you're going to feel defensive. You're going to feel like you have to prove something. You want to be right. You want to win the argument. You're going to feel a clenching and contraction in your solar plexus. Those are sure signs that the ego has a vested interest in a position and is trying to win, right? It wants to be right. It wants to survive. It wants to uh, dominate in order to feel alive in order to validate its existence 
that is not standing in your truth. So I think there's some confusion and maybe some willful confusion uh, nowadays about what it is. You know, people say they can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want because it's their truth in quotes. But really, it's just a form of narcissistic entitlement and, you know, the uh, license to shove your version of reality down other people's throats as well as a lot of apologists defending that kind of narcissism under the banner of social justice. So that's really worth examining. Pay attention to what's going on in your body. Pay attention to that feeling of, you know, if you see something on social media and you get all heated up about it and you feel like you got to, you know, fire off a comment or something like that. Where is that coming from? Standing in your truth feels peaceful. It feels serene. It feels clean. And it doesn't matter to you whether anybody believes it. You don't mind what other people think. And you don't mind what happens as a consequence of you standing in your truth. You're not trying to save your skin anymore. That's the big difference. So standing in your truth means that you are authentic in the moment. Now, whether another person can handle your being authentic in the moment, that's another question. But the thing is, if they're standing in their truth, that's where you meet in the middle. Because when people are standing in their truth, that truth is one truth. It's not a matter of opinion or agreement. It's just honestly and authentically receiving each other as we are. And that feels really good. (laughs) That feels really good. To a person who is attached to their way of seeing things and their opinions and their agendas and their desired outcomes, if you're standing in your truth, they may not receive that very well because they are looking for a certain outcome, let's say, right? So from their perspective, you standing in your truth and you being authentic might appear to them to be a selfish behavior. But as I said, if the other person is rooted in their own authenticity, then they don't have an agenda with you. They're not looking for a certain outcome and they have no expectation of the other person. That's what happens when you're free, right? When you really are setting yourself free and you're liberating not only yourself, you liberate everyone. (laughs) (laughs) then nobody has to be the way you want them to be. They don't have to do what you expect them to do. And therefore you're, you're standing in your truth and you liberate other people who are ready for it to also stand in theirs. Wouldn't that hurt other people's feelings? Realistically speaking, I can't just do whatever I want. So again, I think we've spoken to that. You can't spend your whole life trying to avoid hurting other people's feelings. Because if you do that, then you you can't be honest. I spent many years worrying about hurting other people's feelings. And saying, yeah, but I, I can't really be myself. I can't really be honest. Because it might hurt other people. And I discovered that that was just an excuse for cowardliness and avoidance. If you are truly authentic, if you are really standing in your truth, 
It's from a place of self-love, self-acceptance. And when you are in that space, you extend it to yourself, but not only to yourself, but to everyone. And then other people have a chance of also standing in their truth and connecting with their own authentic selves. So I can't just do whatever I want. That's that comes from the the space of ego that's like, yeah, that's, you know, running roughshod all over everybody and just doing whatever I want and I don't care. You know, that's not what we're talking about here. But if you're worried about hurting and offending other people all the time, well, you'll just spend your life making excuses, hiding, you know, living through little white lies and just being a professional, professional liar. (laughs) I speak from my own experience there. It's much more kind to liberate yourself, totally accept yourself, and be that authentic self with other people. How do you do that? Well, simply by realizing that if you could have done better at the time, then you would have. You were acting out of your programming. You were afraid. You were under the hypnotic sway of your ego personality. You thought that's who you were. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody is in the same boat. That's how you forgive yourself. That's how you accept yourself. That's how you accept the past. Instead of wearing it like a hair shirt and continually whipping yourself over it again and again. Oh, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't. I'm a bad person. I can't accept myself. The guilt, the guilt. No, just let that go. If you could have done better, you would have. You acted out of your patterns, out of your wounds, just like everybody else. And if we can't accept that in ourselves, and we certainly can't accept it in anyone else, So when you can view your life with compassion for what you came out of and where you came from and what you did to to try to survive and to do the, the best that you could, that's enough. A decent regret is enough. That is how you show up authentically for other people. And if you do that, they can sense the love and the respect that you are extending to them through your own authenticity. It's a great gift to show up authentically in front of another human being. And unless they are really stuck in their own positionalities, if they have any kind of opening of consciousness and love, then they're willing to see you as you are. And it can be in a really amazing, beautiful opening in a relationship. Here's a question that comes well on the heels of that. What's the point of spiritual growth if it means we might lose everything? Shouldn't it make us happier? And shouldn't life be better? Well, as I think I've tried to communicate in the the episodes about my own personal journey, um, spiritual growth is not about finding happiness in this material world so that your life can stay comfortable in the way it is. That's what we would call spiritual materialism. It's using spirituality and spiritual ideas uh, to justify your staying put and, <laughs> and, and being happy in your life, right? No, 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 no. That is not what spiritual growth is. 
Spirituality is facing things. It's facing your shadows. It's dealing with all the ways that you try to escape and contort yourself and distort yourself to keep yourself comfortable and safe and secure. It's confronting all of that. It's all about coming out of your comfort zone because when you want to live in your comfort zone and stay there, you live as a coward because everything you do is about protecting that comfort zone and you're afraid of anything that threatens it. That's living life as a coward. And when you live that way, you get smaller and smaller. Your life becomes more and more circumscribed and you try harder and harder to justify your comfort zone and to keep it intact and safe and you can't help but cut off your life force energy when you live that way because your life force wants expansion it wants to learn and grow that's the whole reason that we're here so if you're looking to stay put if you're looking for safety if you're looking to justify this material reality that you are creating and experiencing as the truth and looking to find happiness on that level of reality without ever examining your deeper motivations, your fears, what's really going on with you, uh, then you're really living in an illusion. You're like a dreamer who has not awakened yet in the dream. But the truth is most people are not interested or they're just too afraid of going deep and discovering the truth and liberating themselves from self-imposed bondage. Most people are not interested in that because yes, it's true. It upends your whole life. It upends your comfortable life. You will have to grow in ways, you know, you, you, <laughs> it's like we, we, when we start this journey, like every time I would go to the ashram, I would, I would have this sense of apprehension, um, you know, like, oh gosh, you know, what am I going to have to go through this time? And I would hope against hope that there wouldn't be something that would be really, really uncomfortable. Well, that's that impulse right there. That's like, yeah, I, I want to grow, but not too much. <laughs> I don't want to have to like... I don't want to have to be outside too long. I don't want to have to be cold. I don't want to have to have to spend the night, you know, in the dark or outside, or I don't want to have to, you know, do something that's going to make me physically uncomfortable or scared or whatever. Yeah, you, you want to grow, but you don't want to experience anything that's inconvenient or uncomfortable. Well, then you're not going to grow. <laughs> you just won't grow, right? But most people are want to avoid that discomfort. They want to avoid the pain. They want to avoid the truth. They want to avoid the truth, right? And the, the reality of their lives and the cowardice that they are living from. So, I mean, I, I, that's probably one of the most profound lessons I learned uh, in the embodiment of my spiritual name, which I'm still continually learning to embody more and more. Uh, because the seed sound bir in my name, Sukbir, 
is uh, is the word for the vibration of courage, right? It's a bravery, and that the bravery and the courage is required to look things in the face and to be authentically yourself, right? So what's the point of spiritual growth if it means we might lose everything? Well, if it depends on what your values are, right? If your priority is not to lose anything and to keep everything together and to keep your life together the way that you made it so that you can feel safe and, <laughs> you know, away from anything that might threaten you, then yeah, you, you can easily see that spiritual growth would be pointless uh, if those are your values. You, you wouldn't want to get into it because you wouldn't be able to uh, stay safe, right? So any spiritual path or any uh, so-called spiritual relationship that you have with another person um, has to include that discomfort and the willingness, uh, the willingness to grow, the willingness to be uncomfortable in the service of your growth. Uh, that's the only reason that it's there. So yeah, don't don't go down the path expecting that you're gonna it's gonna mean oh now I have a happy life you know you you are rewarded inwardly by a different kind of happiness than the kind of happiness you think you want at the beginning you just want your life to be nice and you want to be successful and have a good relationship and all of that stuff <laughs> that's what I wanted too when I started but then I I realized oh, it's not about that at all it's about becoming who you truly are who you truly are what you truly are what you truly are so it won't make you happier in the way that you think you want to be happy but it will connect you to the true source of joy the true source of power and life will be better because you are free you're no longer a slave to life to the world to your own ego you set yourself free there's one last question that i want to address here and i want to thank you again for your contributions uh with really uh powerful meaningful challenging questions here's the last one you say that there's an ascension happening but when i look around it just looks like things are getting worse it's hard to stay optimistic i don't really think of it as being optimistic like everything's going to be okay with a sort of fake smile plastered to your face right it's not um uh i'm not suggesting that anyone adopt any kind of toxic positivity in quotes <laughs> um it's more about trust trust right yes ascension is happening we don't have any choice in the matter and we are being tuned up vibrationally you came here for this we all came here for this amazing opportunity to be able to grow and evolve and ascend in the body you don't have to die and come back in another one unless you want to unless that's part of the plan lots of people are leaving also but if you are here during this time and you're embracing it you get to evolve and become a new being in your same body <laughs> that was never possible before 
we are being our bodies, our DNA strands, the ones that were dormant are being activated. We are growing our light body. We're moving from carbon to crystalline. About a year ago, I had this amazing, powerful dream where a um, beautiful man, like an angelic kind of being, descended from the sky, literally, okay? He was all in white, you know, uh, kind of radiating a white light from himself. And he, uh, I, he was standing right in front of me and he just looked me in the eyes and telepathically he said, the, he said one word, crystalline. And his hand, he, he took my hand as if to shake hands. He took my hand and held it in his and the word crystalline spoke from his mind into mine and he and an energy went from him to me and I woke up and it was such an amazing dream because I just knew (laughs) that that represented our shift to a body that is more crystalline based crystalline in the sense of uh, plasmic light Um, the earth has a crystalline grid, you know, around it. And, uh, so that I was connected to that crystalline grid and that, you know, I was receiving transmission of a new body in a way. Right. Uh, and we are all, uh, being ascended, right. We're all going through that in our own way. Um, this may sound really far out to some of you, um, but I'm, I'm, stepping into the unknown and I'm talking about this stuff um, the way that I understand it so um, we are being upgraded we our bodies are able to uh, handle more light they have to be because we're being bombarded by photonic energy every day Uh, we're um, experiencing solar flares uh, of a magnitude on a daily basis that we never used to experience back in 2016 maybe there was like I don't think there were any of the most powerful class of solar flare in the year 2016 and like now we can get several of those in one day (laughs) in one day so we're being bombarded with this photonic light that is altering our a cellular structure, our DNA, we're having to upgrade, right? Just like light bulbs that have to be, you know, you, you can't use a 20 watt bulb in a socket that is made for a 100 watt bulb. It'll just blow it out, right? So we are physically being uh, upgraded to handle more of this light energy plasma that comes from the cosmos. You know, it comes from the stars, it comes from the sun plasma is a cosmic energy right so we're being bombarded with this plasmic energy all the time and we have to learn to integrate it right and and so you might ask the question well how do we learn to integrate that stuff you know what do I have to do well you just take care of yourself you drink a lot of water and preferably you do kundalini yoga because for I mean I talk about kundalini yoga because it's my yoga but it's also Uh, a yoga that really strengthens your nervous and glandular systems and enables your body to hold more light literally you know we're working with your uh, energy centers and your vagus nerve and your uh, your neurology right Uh, and and so it strengthens your body it enables you to integrate this bombardment of light energy that is uh, just part and parcel of being on the planet nowadays so people who are not 
able to handle the light that's coming are really losing their minds, you know, literally. And uh, it's getting harder and harder for them because, um, because they're, they're not supporting themselves in, um, in the ascension, right? Or maybe they don't know anything about it. It's just not in the space of consciousness to be able to embrace that. And so, and that's, there's no judgment on that. Everybody is where they are. The opportunity is always there. If you're living on the planet now, the opportunity is there for you to embrace that and take a step up or a step into the unknown and say yes. Um, But not everybody's going to be able to do that. And that's just the way it is. And it's okay. They'll come back. But, um, you know, if you're aware of this, you, you, you step, you step in and you step up. So it's not about being optimistic, like, okay, everything is, things are going to be better, right? Again, this is uh, letting go of the old way, letting go of the old world and the obsolete forms that are disintegrating all around us. If you just look at what's going on in the world, yes, it does look like things are getting worse. But that's because the things that are no longer compatible with a fifth dimensional uh field of consciousness well they they can't survive they cannot go into 5d because they're not part of that paradigm you know uh so those those institutions that are not in resonance with where we're going uh those systems and forms that are not in resonance with that they will dissipate disappear dissolve uh be destroyed uh and some of it uh, you know might look pretty dramatic uh, but don't be fooled. The new is also being born right next to all of that stuff. So you understand, it's not that the new is growing out of the old, right? It's not that they're that those things are morphing into something new. The old systems and the old structures and the old forms are dying. They're they're dissolving. They're going away. And right at the same time, new ones are being born. Right, so this is just like how um, new forms of life come into being and into appearance on the planets. Like spontaneously, they just appear. Like, oh, there's a new kind of animal or new life form. Right, they just boom, they appear um, spontaneously. Right, so it's quite similar. the The new world that is in resonance with where we're going is being born right alongside everything else that's dying. And that's just, that's good news, right? So it's not something that you have to be optimistic or be positive about. You just have to know that that's happening. And where you place your attention is what matters. If you're stuck on the old, clinging to the old ways, mourning the death of the old systems and institutions and forms, um, you know, you're clinging to the past and that is going to have an effect on you right? If uh, you stay present with what is and just uh, don't resist the way the reality is showing up, place your attention on the, and trust that we're, that we are expanding, uh, that consciousness is expanding and that new forms that are more appropriate are appearing and becoming and that we can embrace a new way of living, which is constructive and, um, uh, affirming and supporting of life and each other and each other's expansion each other's growth you can more easily let go of what has to go away right I feel like I'm a snake shedding its skin just about every day things that are dying off in me old ways of thinking old ways of being that you know (laughs) 
when they're shed, I look at them and I go, how did I live with that for so long? Oh my God. You know, but this is the time. The, the, the photonic light that is coming to us is helping us to shed the old, right? So to the degree that you're in resistance to that, you will suffer and mourn the loss of something, right? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't mourn the loss of things. I shed lots of tears <laughs> almost every day as I let go of things. But I'm also um, in a state of trust that everything is unfolding perfectly. Why? Because there's perfect order in the universe. Nothing is ever out of order. And help is available everywhere we turn, all around us. You know, whether it's physical help on the material plane from people that we love or friends or family, institutions that are coming up to, you know, new systems that are coming up to support us, or whether it's support in the invisible realm, the support is there. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. So I hope that these sessions of Q&A have been helpful to you. It's time for me to take another break and to contemplate where we go next in this space of grace. And I, I thank you for the presence, your presence that you bring, which I can feel energetically. And I look forward to serving you in our next season of the podcast. So this is goodbye for now. I send you love and blessings. We'll see each other again soon. And until then, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.